how can someone, what are some like little tricks or tips that you have for someone who like maybe is like, I really do need to get organized. Maybe they have like a little bit of a sliver of like self-awareness that they need to do a little bit of revamping or reorganizing a certain area of their life. What would be, where would you tell them to start? Okay. That's another great question. I think that most people do have a sliver of awareness. It's whether or not they're willing to accept it and acknowledge it. So let's say somebody is, and they're aware that they might need a little bit of help. You know, there's a lot of people who are capable of organizing for themselves. I call them the DIYer. Um, they've got some good, you know, intuition. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Get Into It. It's me, Bree. I almost said the old podcast name. So if you guys don't know, I actually had a podcast. Uh, this it was this podcast. Nothing's like changed. Like there's nothing. There's no other like podcast out there. Um, but this podcast was originally called Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life, and I really liked that. But I felt like it was a little bit narrow because it was like. because it was like mind change your mindset change your life so I felt like everything had to revolve around mindset and as you guys know like the nature of some of these episodes it's not always about mindset like and I wanted to make sure that I was being aware of that I guess so I kept saying this thing at the end of every introduction that was like okay let's get into it and I was like oh that's actually a really cute name so yeah I decided to change the name of the podcast and that's why it's now let's get into it because I feel like that's what these interviews are is like a deep dive into whatever topic and today's episode is Nothing less than that. We really dive in. Um, This episode is with my new friend. Her name is Karen Mead. And if you guys don't know, I'm a big organizer. I like to organize. I like to clean. And so when Karen and I connected and she told me she was a professional organizer, I was beyond ecstatic because... I feel like I finally met someone who understands my methods (laughs) of being hyper-organized. There's some areas in my life that are a little messy, a little chaotic, but like 80% of my life is really organized. And Karen is a professional organizer based in San Antonio, Texas. And I loved this episode. She actually also works with hoarders, which hoarders fascinate me. Um, I have like a weird thing with like hoarders, serial killers. (laughs) I'm never going to find a husband. Um, What are your interests? Hoarders and serial killers. So interesting. So I like loved to pick her brain about the hoarding situation. Um, my grandparents live next to a hoarder, which we talk about. Um, 
it's fascinating to me like I didn't know what a hoarder was obviously growing up but I like can remember what their house looked like from like my early memories because they lived there even like both the hoarder and my grandparents they lived next door to each other and they've lived in their houses like far before I was even born and so I just like grew up with my grandma and grandpa kind of complaining about these hoarders it's the wife the wife was a hoarder is a hoarder and um yeah we've like never seen their front lawn because it's stacked with books and telephone books and canned food it's like a serious situation um and so Karen and I talk about that in this episode we talk about organizing how to clean which I think if you're not a person who naturally cleans like my mom taught me how to clean it was kind of an expectation every Sunday I had to clean my bathroom and my bedroom would do my laundry and like I'm not talking like just a little Clorox wipe it was like full-on scrubbing the tub the sinks like it was a full-on clean and so I've always just kind of cleaned that way and I think Karen does a really great job of breaking it down of like where to start if that's not something that you're naturally used to doing or don't you get overwhelmed when you have to clean and this whole episode is so good like it just it's goes beyond organizing but more of like the mental I guess, processes that go on when you're cleaning and getting rid of things. So I'm super, super excited to have her uh, as a guest on this episode. And yeah, we really, really get into it. Um, All of Karen's links will be down below. She's also, if you're not local to San Antonio, I'm really hoping that's where she lives. I feel like that is. Um, If you're not local to to her area she is going to start doing virtual um services as well which is awesome she actually helped me out quite a bit i sent her pictures of my pantry situation which we get into in the episode but i have a problem with my pantry and she totally helped me out so she's going to be doing like virtual space planning which i think is an amazing service so please make sure her all of her links will be in the uh, show notes so if you guys just swipe up you'll be able to find her on the internet but yes i absolutely adore this episode and i adored talking to karen as well she is so so sweet and we got along so well and i feel like there's a really great chemistry in this episode so i hope you guys enjoy it i hope you guys learn something feel free to reach out to me at info at livingfreely.com um if you have any questions if you like this episode please share it with a friend give us a star rating give a little review it really helps the podcast and i will see you guys on friday for a new episode of let's get into it all right be kind be well be grateful love you Hi, Brie. I'm doing well, thank you. Yay, I'm so excited to have you here. I am super excited. (laughs) Thank you so much for reaching out. I really appreciate it and I'm thrilled to be here today. I'm so excited because Karen is a professional organizer and I was telling Karen this um, 
in our pre-interview that like when I was, how old is I, young, like I would, everyone loved to play Barbies, right? And I didn't really enjoy the like playing Barbies aspect. I liked organizing. So like I made my mom take me to Michael's and buy those like for your earrings, how they have like the individual compartments for each pair. I had her buy me like three of those so I could put all like all of my Barbie's shoes would be like in pairs and that I would like color <laughs> organize them. I did the same with my closet as I got into high school. Like all of my jeans had to be on green hangers. My tank tops were on pink. Wow. Hang- like it was insane. It was, it's a little bit OCD. Like I'm surprised my parents weren't like, let's get you in therapy. <laughs> um, but now I'm, now I'm not like that too much, but I do enjoy a good organizing session. So I'm super excited to have you on and share your tips. Well, I can tell that you're an organizer by nature. So <laughs> uh-huh. you've got it in you. I can tell. Thank you. That's such a big compliment. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about how you got into professional organizing and kind of what it is that you do for people. Sure. Uh, I got into professional organizing in 2008, and I had the option then of, I was going back to work after staying home uh, with my two sons. I'd been a stay-at-home mom for nine years. Um, Previously, I'd had quite a few different careers, from elementary school teacher to working in the banking industry and then a lot of event planning, catering, and restaurant management experience as well before I had my children. And then I stayed home for 10 years. And then, you know, at some point it becomes time to go back to work again. And I didn't really want to go back into those fields that I'd previously worked in because while I was a stay-at-home mom for such a good amount of time, that really requires some incredible organizing skills, just being a mom in general. I was fortunate to be a stay-at-home mom, but I kind of upped my game, (laughs) my (laughs) organizing game when I was a stay-at-home mom. And I thought, you know, at the time I was 38 and I thought, you know, quickly approaching 40. And I thought, if I don't try my own thing now, I'm afraid I may never try it. And so I did some research and found out that doing what I love to do, which is, you know, taking a bunch of chaos and turning it into calm, it really is a real thing. Like I could do this for a living. So that's kind of how I got started. That's so, I love to hear those kinds of stories about women, even if they're not I mean, I'm in my late 20s now, and I love to hear stories of, like, women who are older than me, like, start their businesses a little bit later in life. Like, I feel like that's even more, I mean, owning a business in general is a huge accomplishment, but I think it takes a lot of willpower and a lot of, like, for lack of a better term, like, reorganizing your life to, like, fit the business into your life and helping it grow and things like that. I agree with you. And I will say, you know, women are tough on ourselves anyway. And I want to say, I agree with you, no matter what age a woman starting a business is awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, I agree. And I want to put the word out there about just being brave because it's scary. It was really scary. And 
someone who goes kind of out on a limb to try something new, especially in a field that isn't, especially in 2008, wasn't so widely recognized as what is a professional organizer. I feel like it was a pretty brave thing to try. Scary, but brave. I like the word brave. I don't like when people use the word fearless. I think I've heard that like, oh, you must be fearless to go and do. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> There's a lot of fear involved. There was a really good interview with um, Marie Forleo and Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote the book, Brain mm-hmm. Love. And Elizabeth Gilbert made this really great thing. She said this really great thing. She was like, I don't like when people use the word fearless. Like the only fearless people I know are toddlers and sociopaths. (laughs) And I was like, that's so true. Like it's more about being brave than anything else. I think being brave and also a little component of being a little bit naive um, can be a blessing because if we knew ahead of time how difficult, challenging and scary something was, we may not try it. And so being a little naive, which I was naive about, what does it really mean to go in and organize for somebody, a stranger? If I had known the challenges that may present itself, I may have chickened out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So what were some of those challenges of organizing for someone else? Well, I think, back to the word naive, I thought I was going to receive calls from potential clients who were similar to myself. I am a very organized person. So I really thought people were going to say, you know, Karen, I'm a pretty organized person, but I have this one closet that I just can't get under control. Mm. Well, those are not the people who call or who called back then. (laughs) beginning. The people who call say, Karen, my life is a crumbling mess. I can't get the laundry under control. I can't find anything. We're turning in papers for school late. I'm getting late notices for utilities. I really need an overhaul. That is the client that was reaching out in the beginning. So it did catch me a little bit off guard, you know? Interesting. So I mean, I think it it goes to like people who are maybe like how we were saying in the beginning, like maybe I'm naturally a little bit more organized than other people. And then there are people who are just very unorganized. Um, My dad is one of those people, just papers everywhere. And like, I, how do you find anything in this? But they have their own little system in their head. So are those the people who are who really need the help like what is the the structure for that for like someone who has their own system but it's like very messy and doesn't make sense to anyone else so that's a great question um one thing i have learned is just because somebody wants the unorganized person to become organized If the unorganized person isn't ready or doesn't want to do it, you can't really make somebody do that. And I don't mean to compare, you know, being unorganized to something as serious as, let's say, alcoholism or addiction of some sort. But in a similar vein, until somebody's really ready to be honest with where they're at, 
and do the work that's required to make changes, you can't make somebody do that. And so right. if, if a spouse calls me complaining about the other spouse, I need to meet the spouse that's unorganized more than the person calling me mm-hmm. because the spouse who's unorganized may be totally fine with where they're at. So we do run into some really sticky situations sometimes where the person who's unorganized doesn't really want to get started quite yet. And so you have to honor where they're at. Instead of tackling their office, you need to build some trust and rapport with that unorganized client. And maybe you start with something simple. Maybe you start with a linen closet or a pantry or their child's closet, something that doesn't feel so intimidating to them. And there's a lot of embarrassment and fear of judgment that comes along with a person who's unorganized, allowing someone to help them. Hmm. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Um, I mean, that even as organized as I am, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was like, if Karen ever came and saw my pantry, she, w- I'm like, what if she judges me like that? My oh, snacks no. aren't color coordinated. No. Oh my gosh. That is extreme, Brie. I know. But I love it. I do love a color coordinated pantry. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm definitely, well, I mean, I sent you pictures of my pantry. It, there's yes, no way. I can ever be color coordinated with my pantry because for people who don't know the way that they cut into the wall, it's like at an angle. So nothing, it's like, instead of being like, there's no there's 90 no, degree angles. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot of depth to the pantry, but there's no width. So like everything has to be stacked like in like going in rather than like across mm-hmm. it's so bizarre it's like I hate it so much <laughs> um so, next time you move make sure you get a good pantry <laughs> well I yeah I, that's like my thing is like I need a good kitchen like I could be okay yeah. with like a smaller bedroom or like a weird living room but like my kitchen the next time I move needs to have a kitchen island and mm-hmm a good pantry. Those are like the only two requirements. I I love it. I love that you're thinking ahead like that. (laughs) So how can someone, what are some like little tricks or tips that you have for someone who like maybe is like, I really do need to get organized. Maybe they have like a little bit of a sliver of like self-awareness that they need to do a little bit of revamping or reorganizing a certain area of their life. What would be, where would you tell them to start? Okay. That's another great question. I think that most people do have a sliver of awareness. It's whether or not they're willing to accept it and acknowledge it. So let's say somebody is, and they're aware that they might need a little bit of help. You know, there's a lot of people who are capable of organizing for themselves. I call them the DIYer. Um, They've got some good, you know, intuition. They're able to visualize how they want their space to look when it is organized. So that's a really great DIY person who might just need some simple like you mentioned, strategies and and tips. So let's pretend we're talking to someone right now and they call 
The very first thing we do after we've done the initial assessment, and now it's our first actual organizing session, mm -hmm. is we've got our plan of attack that we've discussed with the client prior, and we know what we're going to do, but we very literally start with the floor. If the floor has a lot of items, contents from that room on the floor, we can't even get in it. And we don't want to be walking on people's belongings. So we deal with what we see on the floor initially and start clearing that from the clutter, start sorting. Mm -hmm. If there's anything that we can tell is trash, like real trash, you know, paper, receipts, torn trash bags or torn, um, sorry, shopping bags or anything like that. Let's get rid of the trash and everything else on the floor, let's start putting it into categories of like items. So like I said, it's really important to not walk on people's belongings. So we, we need to clear the floor. So we start at the bottom and work our way up in a room. That's a great place to start. I didn't even think about that. I would probably go for like a surface that had a bunch of paper like I always go for the big pile first mm -hmm. well like picture picture you know your closet if we walked into your closet and there was a lot of things on the floor I can't even get into your closet to start organizing until we clear that space right in front of us so it's just a really good natural starting point so I'm assuming you work with people who are hoarders I do Okay, so I'm so excited. Let's talk about hoarders. <laughs> okay, um, I love that you're excited. My, Most people are not. <laughs> no, I think it's fascinating. So I was telling Karen that my grandparents have lived next to a legit hoarder. This isn't like like me being melodramatic. They're legit hoarders. Like they ever since they, I mean, ever since, I mean, my grandparents have been, been in the house longer than I've been alive, but ever since I was little, it's always been known that their neighbors are hoarders. Like you can't even get to their front door without like, it's like a very skinny path. She has like phone books, all like taller, stacked taller than me. And I'm five, six, which isn't very tall, but still tall <laughs> like, yeah. um, to, for phone books to be stacked. And I mean, their backyard, every time I bring my dog over, he is going crazy at the fence. So we assume that there's some type of animal or mm -hmm. some animals back there because you can't even see the grass. Um, there's just junk everywhere just like and it's stuff that's like we I look at it we look at it and we're like they will literally never use that like things are rusted and it's really bad so I have a very like fascination with hoarders so tell us a little bit more about that well it is very interesting and again when I first started I was very naive um, I would say one that I've worked with, I'd say one in, one in 15 to one in 20 clients that I work with falls into the definition of being a hoarder. Um, I don't have, you know, an incredible amount of like knowledge. I'm not certified. I'm not a psychiatrist or anything like that. But I do do a good amount of reading and research on my own because it's a very serious disorder 
and nothing to be taken lightly for sure. And you talk about somebody who has a very difficult time letting somebody, again, me, a stranger, into their home or into a room in their home that they feel very protective of. I want to feel like I am equipped as well as I can be to help them with where they're at. And so people think, you know, they have this idea of a hoarder. And what you just described, Brie, is a really excellent description. I can tell from what you told me that is a hoarder. That is a true hoarder. But that's only one part of the definition of someone who's a hoarder. Um, you know, someone who keeps and collects a lot of stuff is a hoarder. But the second part of that definition is someone who does not have the ability to let go of their things mm -hmm. is really the second part to that. So, and there's such a big difference in collecting versus hoarding. Everyone who calls me at some point of the phone call or when I first meet them, they all think they're hoarders. They just, that, that's such a loose term that gets thrown around now. Everybody is not a hoarder. If one in 20 of my clients is a hoarder, you know, everybody is not. It's not even so much the stuff that makes it challenging for people to work with someone who's a hoarder. It's not the quantity. It really is their inability to let go and to decide what they can let go of that makes it the challenge. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and you said too, in our previous conversation that a lot of the hoarders, the, what you've observed is that they can't let go of paper items. Yes. yes. And I think that's oh, so, yes. when you told me that I was like, I'm thinking like, okay, like I think of my grandparents hoarder. Okay. Granted the, the, my grandparents' neighbors hoarder, they're, phone books but like mm -hmm. she has like canned food like mm -hmm. I literally I have like patio furniture and they can't even sit in their backyard because it's mm -hmm. so stacked with stuff so there is some paper items but I would think like I don't know for me whenever I clean that is like the first thing that I go for is papers I'm like bill like old bills old scraps of paper magazines like that's the first thing that I want to get rid of yeah. So I was like so surprised when you told me that. I think that for people who don't have those hoarding tendencies like yourself, who does not, I agree with you. For myself personally, paper is the simplest thing to start with because I'm able to make a quick and rational decision on, you know, am I done with this? Do I need it? Would I ever refer to it? Is it pure trash? Those questions run through my mind very easily, very logically. But the fear that people have with paper is, what if I need this again? And so all I can do is reassure them with facts and be logical with them that the majority of paper that I'm, I'm not even talking about a hoarder, just regular general people who are a little disorganized, there's not a lot of paperwork in a home that if it accidentally got thrown away or put in the recycle can, that you couldn't re recoup. You can't. Right. You know, there's just very few documents that you would really 
be totally destroyed if you got rid of. And so, you know, you can get bank statements online. Even if they're 20 years old, they're archived. You can get old information, utility bills, um, things like that that you just really don't need. Now, some people are comfortable going back and reviewing the summer of 2017 electric bill versus summer of 2018 and summer of 2019. But again, those are online. And so getting people comfortable with the fact that if you need it again, we can find it somewhere else is, is a big step for them. Absolutely. That's so true. I was just thinking about that. I'm like, I think I lost my social security card mm-hmm. one year. And you know, you need that when you get, mm-hmm. a, get a job, you need to provide, like provo- provide mm-hmm. that um, card. And so I don't, I think it must've gotten lost in a move or something. And I just had to go to the social security office and mm-hmm. get a new one. And it was, I mean, yes, it was time consuming and it took like half a day to do that, but I was able to get it. So yeah, I could definitely see if, if the logic was, I need this, I can't get like, what if I need this? Mm -hmm. I can see how someone would want to hold on to things. I agree. I mean, obviously we, when we go through paper, I mean, we go through a lot of paper, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of paper. We are touching every piece. So let's say there's a pile of 150 pieces of paper on somebody's desk in a home office. That pile of 150 pieces of paper equals 150 decisions that need to be made you know, one decision per piece of paper, which is overwhelming for people because 150 pieces of paper is not a lot in a house. It's just not. So I've recently worked with someone um, who, who is a hoarder and who does hoard paper. And there are 32 plastic tubs of paper. we're Mm -hmm. We're working through them. She's doing an outstanding job. She trusts me. We've worked together off and on for years. And I know that the paper, you know, definitely stresses her out about getting rid of things. So I've learned we go at her pace. We do about two, which is pretty darn good. We do about two tubs in three to three and a half hours together. And then she needs a break. And then we do it again another day. So we're more than 50% through with all of those tubs of paper and she is letting go and our shred pile is growing. It's the fact that it's being successful comes based on the fact that I'm letting her make the decision. She is going through those tubs and touching every piece and making the decision and what she decides to keep, she hands me and I am putting them into the file boxes that we've created, a system that we've created together for her to reference back to things that she wants, needs, or isn't ready to let go of. See, I feel like that's probably part of the beauty of also working with a professional organizer is like if she wants to hold on to a piece of paper, like she probably has to verbalize why she wants to hold on to it. And like I notice even for myself, like this, if I have like a irrational fear or like something comes up and I start talking about it and I hear myself and I'm like, this is not right. Like I, 
this is, doesn't make sense when I say it out loud. I'm pretty sure she probably also has the same thought process when she's explaining to you why she needs a bill from 2008 that's already been paid. She's like, oh, wait, I don't really need this. Like, it's okay yeah. to toss it. You're right. That verbalizing helps her feel in control mm-hmm. and empowered. And I am not changing her mind about it. I'm not trying to convince her to do this my way. I'm doing right. this her way with my systems. Got it. That is a really good marriage, you know, for she and I together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's really helpful. So what other kind of stories do you have about hoarders? (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, Uh, I think a good, a good segue is kind of like, what are some of the, I mean, I'm a real big believer in your space reflects like your mental state and it can help you physically as well when you live in a good environment I'm not saying you need to live at the Taj Mahal or like something super crazy expensive or like have the best furniture but it needs to like be work for you so I think like that's a good like I mean obviously like the situation at my my grandparents neighbor's house is like unhealthy like I don't even think you could go in there without like needing like a hazmat like situation. So what is, what are some of your thoughts on like the physical, the connection between like your environment and like your physical and mental health? Okay. That is awesome. Um, And you're right. I mean, there's physical clutter and there's mental clutter and both are harmful, you know, in different ways. Physical clutter can lead to poor health. It can lead to safety issues. It can also lead to distress and loss of relationships. And um, I I have seen that um, plenty of times. I'm thinking about a a daughter, um, probably in her late 30s, maybe early 40s at the time. This is years and years ago who reached out to me, we had a mutual friend, and it was to help clean out her mother's home. And I believe, don't quote me, but I believe her mother was moving into possibly a either independent living or an assisted living situation and was leaving the home that she had been in for quite a long time. Um, And the daughter has dealt with her mother's hoarding tendencies the daughter's entire life. So this is very common for her to see her mother living like this. Her mother lived alone. It was a, it was a relatively small house. I want to say it was maybe 1,500 square feet or so. Um, I had worked in hoarding homes prior to this, but um, this one was pretty severe because we definitely needed masks um, for animal, you know, animal urine and, and animal feces. Oh my God. And um, a lot of hoarders, when they get, you know, pretty far down the road, they're using things like their bathtubs for anything other than bathing. Either they're piling things in there, um, a lot of paper you can find in bathtubs, or their kitchen sinks and kitchen countertops become so full and overflowing with dirty dishes that they've taken to the bathtub to try to pile and clean dishes there. And so this particular home, 
Um, we did wear, we did need to wear masks and gloves. We were not in a, in a hazmat suit at all. You, you have to, as the organizer dealing with the situation, you have to look out for your own safety, for sure. Right. I will say, if you're an empathetic person, and, and organizers are, we're helpers, we're teachers and helpers. It is difficult to put on a mask and gloves and especially a suit in front of the family members who are not the hoarder because you feel like you're embarrassing them. So it's just a very, it's a difficult situation. Um, that particular hoarder was keeping a lot of things under her living room sofa. She would take used, empty, I should say, empty Kleenex or tissue boxes. And she would just keep one like item in one box until it was full. And then she would get another empty tissue box and she would fill that with another different type of item. Let's say rubber bands filled one tissue box. Reusable plastic grocery bags would fill many, many tissue boxes. Not that she would ever go back and use those rubber bands or those plastic um, grocery bags. I was just going to say, at least she's yeah. like somewhat organized. <laughs> yes, it's, 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 you know, it's on the spectrum of possibly, you know, sometimes, not for this client, I can't speak for her, but between some Asperger's and some OCD and some hoarding in there, it can become very gray and, and blurred lines. Right. So it was, but it, the house was very full. I say that it, it was organized in some areas, but you know, there was old, like you had said, there's, you know, old dishes, there's open cans of food that the food's gone bad, and it could be a year or two old. And so it is a very fascinating topic of why she kept the rubber bands and the trash bag or the grocery, grocery bags, yeah, stuffed so neatly under her sofa in those tissue boxes, but yet didn't throw the can of empty food in the trash. You know, it's, quite fascinating for sure yeah that is very interesting um and we kind of talked a little bit about also like people who um deal with like anxiety and depression and what their space can do for them if they if it's messy or disorganized or something like that yeah sorry I kind of got off tangent (laughs) No, you're totally (laughs) No, it's so interesting. It is, it is very true. Um, Sometimes I can tell on the phone call. And again, I'm not diagnosing people medically. But after 11 years of doing this, there are some key phrases that people may drop in a phone conversation with me where I can tell, you know, there's definitely some anxiety or sometimes they even share that they have some depression or possibly taking meds for being depressed. And so for people like that, it becomes um, kind of just this cycle that is difficult for them. You know, they have depression and then their space is not bringing joy. It's not making them feel great about themselves or where they live. So they stay stuck in that pattern. Yet, if they aren't really ready to start dealing with it, they're still stuck in that pattern. And so it does take um, really honest conversations of me sitting down with them and, you know, holding their hand or looking them in the eye and smiling 
reassuring them that taking care of the clutter in their space absolutely can help. It may not cure anything, of course, but it can definitely help them to start to feel better. And I see it, Brie, all the time with my clients, who they are on day one and who they are, especially if I've, if I've worked with them. Sometimes we work without them around and we, we kind of check in with them, but sometimes it's one-on-one. -on -one. And those one-on-one -on -one organizing sessions are very um, gratifying for myself because I can see the transferring of my skills to them and they will literally start to smile a little bit more often as we go through the process of getting them organized. They will lift their heads a little higher. They will give me more direct eye contact as they are having small successes of clearing the clutter. Their mood definitely can lighten and it is a really lovely thing to see because the end result I want is for them to feel happy, satisfied, proud, and empowered. Yeah, absolutely. That's so, so, so gratifying. I know for me, my anxiety will get a little bit out of hand if my space isn't clean. <laughs> like I get very, I don't know if it's like a control thing, but like I know if my mental health isn't doing well based mm -hmm. on like how clean things are like mm -hmm. it just becomes like an afterthought like you can't even get to a point of like thinking to do the dishes or to like do things and I haven't gotten to that point in a really long time but I do notice like if I'm if I'm too if I don't make it a priority I shouldn't say too busy if I don't make it a priority like those dishes stack up and then at the end of the day I'm like I can't go to bed with a dirty kitchen or dishes in the sink so I'm like at the end of the day I'm like I really should have taken some time <laughs> throughout the day to kind of keep this under control so what would be like the first thing I mean other than the floor let's say like someone is dealing with anxiety or depression mm. or some type of mental health um diagnosis, what would be the first thing that you would have them clean or organize um, in their space? I know that's kind of a hypothetical question. Sorry. No, it's, it's a good question because like a lot of things, if you are having somebody do something that they may not be totally buying into that yet, um, it's to start small. And so taking something as large as a master closet is not a great idea. Um, you've got to build up some small successes for them first. And so literally, I have done this with clients in the past where we take their junk drawer in the kitchen. You know, it's, it's only so big. Now it may be really full, but the junk drawer is a pretty standard size. And it is a very simple exercise to where they can kind of see the steps, which I do have like a three-step process that we all follow no matter we're doing if we're doing a junk drawer or a garage. So if someone is feeling a little anxious, a little bit out of control, embarrassed or judged, we take that junk drawer and we start breaking that down as far as let's get this organized. And so we do, we do that together. We take the drawer out, put something down on the flat surface to protect it that we're going to be working on like a kitchen countertop. We don't want like a pen to leak or glue to spill on their countertop. So 
cover that up, take the junk drawer out, and the first thing we do is sort. Sort like items, all the pens, all the pencils, paper clips, staples, staplers, scissors, rubber bands, and so on. And everybody's junk drawer has some trash, broken rubber bands, gum wrappers, receipts, whatever. So if I can get them to start sorting all the like items and putting the trash to the side, the very, the very first thing we'll do once everything's been sorted is let's get the trash can and put what we, you know, we agree is trash and get that off this countertop. And now let's see what we've got left. And so once we've done the sort and we've kind of pared down everything that we don't want, or maybe there are some items in the junk drawer that don't really belong in there and just kind of been thrown in there over time. Let's make a separate pile and we do, and we just call it find a new home. Maybe we put it on a gallon Ziploc bag and anything that doesn't belong in that junk drawer when we're done with it goes in that Ziploc because it goes in other places in the home. So once you remove trash and you have, you know, sequestered out things that belong somewhere else, you've reduced a good amount of what's going back in there already. And I then the fun part happens. They get to put it back in. <laughs> and organize it. <laughs> correct. Correct. Yeah, exactly. That's I, love the part. I love that system. I don't think I have a system. I think I just, I don't know. My big thing is like, I, if I have like a mess or like, especially, well, we talked about how I hate doing laundry. Like I'll do all the laundry that I possibly can and put it in one day and put it on my bed. And I like then go from there. <laughs> like, And then I source from there. But I think what, what you're saying is doing like a general sort of yes. things. And I kind of like that process better because it seems less, um, tiresome. <laughs> and less overwhelming too, because you know, I don't know if you did this. Uh, you probably did because I feel like I know you well enough now, but I did this and a lot of children, let's think about trick-or-treating. You know, trick-or-treating is over. You're back at your home. You're eight years old. You've got a sibling or two. Usually the first thing kids do is they sort and then they trade that candy. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing. If you sort the M&Ms from the Skittles, from the Milky Way and the Hershey's bars, this is the same thing in a junk drawer, except it's just different items. Oh my God. That's just like, I remember <laughs> <laughs> what I did on Halloween. First of all, I was not a big Halloween fan, but then as I got older, uh -huh. my, the first thing my mom would do would give me sandwich bags because I would sort all of the candy and then put them into like See? the respective bag. <laughs> so yep. like all the Skittles were in one bag, M&Ms were in another <laughs> so I could easily find them. What a freaking, my par poor parent, I'm surprised they didn't do something because that just seems <laughs> crazy for any child to want to do that. But also oh. I, my mom is a big, we talked about this, like she's a big, um, donator like cleaning out we did this like multiple times a year I'm still looking for a comforter from 2007 that I'm pretty sure she donated but she says like oh it's we're still looking for it I'm like it's gone like let's just be real yeah, mom it's gone, <laughs> it's gone I still ask her about it I'm like do you remember that like orange comforter <laughs> And she'll be like, yeah, it's um, in storage. I'm like, no, it's probably gone. It's gone, mom. Yeah. 
<laughs> so I'm like used to just not having attachment to yeah. like things but I can definitely see I mean I don't want to be not empathetic to to hoarders who they obviously have a stronger attraction to holding on to things and mm-hmm. that even though I can't understand it like I definitely empathize with that well, and I think, too, a lot of times, you know, a lot of this does go back to how people grew up. But you and I did talk about this previously as well. Um, you know, if somebody grew up in a home that was pretty organized, that person tends to have some of those traits carry with them into their own life when they have their own, you know, place of residence, whether it be an apartment or a home or whatever. Um if you grew up in an organized home, unorganized home, you're either going to be unorganized or you're going to be the exact opposite because it does come down. And even for myself, I've thought a lot about this over the years. It comes down to helping you feel in control. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a home that is unorganized with the physical space, And we all know everybody, you know, life is hard. People grow up in a lot of different and sad, difficult situations. They want to feel like they're in control of something. And so sometimes people who grow up in difficult situations do end up being pretty organized people because it's the one thing that they could do to feel in control and to ease some of like the anxiety that you were talking about earlier. Um, yeah it's that's definitely a a real a real thing yeah I mean I think my mom was very organized there was just a lot of structure in my household growing up I was an only child so it's pretty easy to like create structure when you don't have like three other kids right like Mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to do that but yeah we my mom was very I think organized um and maybe that did influence a lot of like with the shoes and stuff. I don't know. It was like very weird why I was like that. I still can't like really figure it out. Um, but like, are your, you said you have two sons. So are your sons like organized as well? Or are they kind of like typical boys? No, they, they really are. And people, you know, I'm not just so, I have a son now who's 17 and one who will be 20 soon. Um, and I would say that for being, you know, late teenage to young men, they really both were always pretty darn organized. Um, now, did I nag them? Yeah. Did I bug them? And <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I did. But by nature, they both do have some very good organizing tendencies on their own that I think, you know, some of that's just inherent on in who they are. Mm-hmm. Um and I think for anybody who deals with a little bit of anxiety, which, you know, growing up is hard and being a teenager is hard. And there's a lot of anxiety that just comes with that. So I, I do work with students. I've done it for years. Help set them up to feel really in control of things like their day-to-day planning and time management and using some kind of calendar, whether it be an app or an agenda or a paper calendar. I've even helped, you know, in the past, some ADD and ADHD students set up a desk or their lockers so that they feel like they're in control and can be successful. 
So, mm. but yeah, my sons are, they are, they are organized young men. It makes me super proud. Yeah, you should be proud. That's such a testament to like your parenting. Absolutely. <laughs> well, hopefully whoever they end up with one day, if they do, appreciates it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Like, I can't tell you how many guys I've dated where I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> I can't deal. <laughs> like, I'm like, why do you have receipts everywhere? The receipts thing drives me crazy. I'm like, me get too. rid of the receipts. Throw like this is from a Whole Foods thing like three weeks ago. Why do you need it? Like, and sometimes I mean, it makes sense if you're like an entrepreneur and everything's a tax write off. But I'm like, right. it doesn't even need to be like a special thing. Like, get a little. I have like a sheet protector, like those yep. clear ones, and I just throw receipts in there. And like, then after a month, if it gets a little crazy, I like go in and organize and straighten them out. But like, oh my gosh, the receipt thing for guys, and especially in the wallet, I'm like. I'm like, it looks like you have a lot of money stored in there because your wallet's so thick. <laughs> like, it's just receipts. <laughs> okay, so I've got another good one for you that guys tend to do. I agree with you. They stuff their wallets with receipts, but another thing that guys do, which I do not understand, and I see it in all ages. I would say even my eldest, who's about to be 20, what is it with saving boxes boxes all their electronics my dad does this my dad of course he does he's a guy and well he's in it like tech tech stuff so it's like i'm like why do you have the box from a laptop you bought four years ago that you're not even you sold it doesn't even you don't even have it why do you still have the box for it (laughs) and tvs boxes from tvs yes sound systems and phones and cameras and laptops and tablets. I just don't get it. And it is not easy. And get cords. Those. And oh, don't even get me. <laughs> no. Oh my God. I went over my existence. Yes. I went over to find a cord um, for something. And my dad literally has a drawer that is just cords and I'm like and then I pull out one cord but like 17 come with it (laughs) it is like stories (laughs) I could tell you on cords you wouldn't even believe (laughs) I'm like do you know what this goes to and he'll be and he'll have like okay at this point like you know everyone knows what a USB cord looks like right like cable I'm like why do you need 67 of them (laughs) and he's like well in case I need to charge my bike computer and my laptop and my cell phone and my GoPro all at the same time. I'm like, okay, so you need oh four. You need four. You don't need 67. Like, <laughs> I, I know, but see, you said the magic words. What if I need, it's just like this thing with paper or everybody's got their thing. Like I'm trying to think what's my thing. What do I keep, I'm not a big keeper of stuff. So I'm probably not a good example, but let's say somebody loves, shoes a woman women love shoes okay well at some point there are only so many shoes somebody needs yes and I like shoes like the rest of us but really it you can only wear so many and they're not all comfortable and you don't love them all and so everybody's got the thing and your dad's is cords <laughs> 
cords and boxes. Like I have yep. for boxes, like I just bought an air fryer. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep the box until I can technically return it. And it, because I'm like, what if it breaks? I need to have the box to like ship it back in. But then after like the 90 day return policy, I throw the box out. Like that's kind of my thing. Mm-hmm. But also with my dad and these freaking cords, uh, the one time I threw, I cleaned it out one day. I was just like, I'm cleaning it. It's like every time I come here and I see this box, it's just, I was like, I need to do something. So uh-huh. I cleaned it out for him, threw away a bunch of cords. Of course, of course, I get a call like a week later. Wh- what about, I can't find the cord to my GoPro and I need it and now I can't charge it. And it, it was like, of course, the one cord that I got, well, all of, out of all the cords, he needed the one cord that I threw away. So... I'm like, I'm not, I'm never doing that again for you. That was a one-time thing. Like you're on your own now. You can live in a box of cords and you let me know how that works out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that goes back to, and I'm not saying this for you and your dad. It just made me think of something, but you know, when we work with clients, they are fearful of a couple of things. They're fearful of being judged. They're already embarrassed and they're being brave, just reaching out and contacting me for that initial assessment. But the other thing they're fearful of, or one of the things they're fearful of, is that we're just gonna make them throw everything away, which is 100% not true. And the bigger fear is that we're going to throw it away, you know, without their permission, without them knowing it. It's hard enough to throw it away while I'm standing there with them, but then they're afraid if they're not home, what are they going to get rid of that I don't know about? And the answer is nothing because why, why would I want to risk, you know, irritating them, upsetting them, making them not trust me. And then in the end, you know, I do this to be helpful, but it's also my business. And so why would I run the risk of receiving a bad review or horrible word of mouth or ruining my great reputation that I've worked so hard for 11 plus years to build on, why would I risk that? It's just not worth it for a little self-satisfaction of me throwing away some paper. It's just, right. just, just not worth it. Yeah, so don't throw away people's cords. Is <laughs> Don't throw away people's stuff, Brie. <laughs> throw away your own cords. <laughs> Oh my God. I've never, he's still like asking me like, Oh, I need a cord for my GoPro. I'm like, Oh my Uh, God. Okay. Order him one on Amazon and ship it to him. Yeah. I know. He's just, it's just a thing that I, of course it's like the one cord that he needs. It's always Murphy's law or something or whatever it is. Right. It is. So tell everyone where they can find you on the internet and Well, I'm in the process of rebranding. So I think by the time this airs, I still won't have my new website up. But in 2008, I started my business and it goes under Let's Get Organizing. So you can still find my Facebook page under Let's Get Organizing. You can definitely Google Karen Mead and you will find me many places. I have an Instagram page that I'm finally kind of working on and understanding (laughs) the ins and outs of Instagram more, but excitedly, you know, I'm working on my new website and rebranding and relaunching and let's get organizing 
probably around September of this year of 2019 will um, no longer, it'll cease to exist. And I'm just going, my company is just branding myself, Karen Mead. That's so smart. That's awesome. Soon I'll be, um, have a great new website up and offering some of the same services and rolling out some new services. And I'm really, really grateful that I've been able to stay in this business and help the people that I've helped over the years. It's, it's incredibly gratifying. And you're located in San Antonio, Texas, but I know when I sent you those pictures of my pantry, you were like, I'm also going to start doing virtual organization as well, which I think is really, really smart. Yes. uh, That's what I'm really excited to kick off. Um, You know, sometimes people don't want to let you in the house for many reasons and I honor that and that's totally fine. Um, The virtual organizing is good for people who proximity wise, you know, I'm not able to help them because of where we both live. Also, it can be, you know, a little more cost efficient, cost effective for somebody to do it virtually. And virtual organizing is really great for that DIYer again. So if they show me a picture of their closet and they're on their tablet, they're on their iPad, then I can see everything they're seeing and they just need five great tasks or a checklist provided to them of how to do this. They're going to have success on their own with just a little bit of prompting and, you know, accountability from me. So that's, I think that's super exciting. Yeah, that is a really great, I think a really good service too. And you could even do like course. I'm like, already, this is where my mind goes, like oh, courses yeah. <laughs> on like how to organize a pantry, how to organize a bedroom, how to organize a bathroom and those types of things. Yeah. I mean, videos and all of that is coming, you know, for me really soon because people, you may be born an organized person, but it is definitely a task or skill that somebody can learn. They mm-hmm. just need to be open to learning and have a great teacher. And I will say that I am a really great teacher. So I would agree with that. Well, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank you so much, Bree. It was totally, really a delight. One more thing. If you love this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Head over to my Instagram and tag me at livingbreely with you listening to this episode. I'd love to hear from you, see you, connect with you, and know which episodes and interviews you're finding valuable. For any courses, freebies, or blog posts mentioned in this episode, you can head over to livingbreely.com or check out the show notes below.